0: Hey guys, Ryan here. The Somewhere in the Skies podcast is a labor of love every week. And with that comes many different costs to keep the show running. That's where our Patreon campaign comes in. You give what you think the show is worth. There's different rewards available all the time, including shoutouts on the show, early editions of main episodes, bonus episodes and content, and very soon, monthly patron hangouts where we sit back and chat all things UFOs. So I hope you'll consider becoming a Patreon subscriber today. To learn more and to join, visit patreon.com slash somewhere skies. Thank you for your support and keep looking up. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Sprague. guys. Ryan Sprague here from Somewhere in the Skies. We're going to be talking to a gentleman today. um, um, We do have Christopher Sharp of uh, the Liberation Times to thank for bringing this story forward and introducing us all to our guest today. Um, His name is Adrian Reister. Uh, He is former USAF. And um, basically... Chris broke this story and it's about Adrian's experiences that he had as a nuclear technician at Whiteman air force base between the years of 2003 and 2007. I know on someone in the skies, we've talked a lot about uh, UFOs over over nuclear installations and um, power plants and stuff like that. So this is going to be pretty interesting to hear new stories about these things happening in very dramatic fashion. Nonetheless, while actual, nuclear ordnance was being transported so um i already have a bunch of listener questions already stacked up here so without further ado i'm gonna bring him in and um we're gonna get to know adrian a little bit before we get into his experiences so adrian thank you for joining me today on somewhere in the skies <laughs> how's it going man Good, good. I'm so happy you were able to do this. I know as soon as this story Likewise. broke, I am sure that you got contacted by a lot of the UFO community. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was one of those people who uh, immediately, you know, stalked you down and um, you were so gracious with accepting this invitation. So thank you for being
1: here. Not a problem, man. It's it's my pleasure.
0: <laughs> cool. Well, I mean, for those who may not know, um, you know, me included, really... Uh, who you are, where you come from, and all of that. Could you sort of paint a picture for us of um, how you got um, interested in going into the Air Force? What led you to be a nuclear technician? Yeah, however you want to paint that picture for us. Sure. Appreciate sure. It.
1: Cool. Well, um, so I went to basic tr- or the Air Force pretty much right out of high school. Um, honestly, I, I slept a lot. Through high school, I, I didn't do a lot of my homework. I could pass the tests fairly easily, and that was not the issue. It was just doing my homework, right? Right. So I didn't really have great grades, but, you know, I was able to get in the Air Force, and I had about, I think it was a 97 on my ASVAB. So pretty much everything was open to me in the Air Force, and I had actually originally went in to go as a EOD, Explosive Ordnance Disposal. Um, I don't know if anybody's familiar with that. It is essentially the bomb squad of the military. Wow. Um and you know, it's is it is a really intensive, very difficult course. And unfortunately I I washed out of that course and you know, it, it was just one of those things. Um so after that, you know, uh I was kind of uh what they call a student out of training uh for about a month or two. And then that was when they decided they were going to throw me in nuclear weapons. Hey, you can't work on regular bombs, but you know what? <laughs> we're going to have you work on these nuclear ones over here. <laughs> Makes sense. That's logical. Totally, man. <laughs> <clears throat> so, you know, um, I didn't really have any other choice but to accept, hey, yeah, I guess I'm going to go work on nuclear weapons. Um, but, you know, it was it was a fairly interesting career field. Um uh, there's a lot of secret stuff in it.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I know. Probably the stuff our audience really wants to know about. But um what I mean, what is what is like a, a typical day? What did it look like for you as a technician? I know it probably varied when your duties changed and whatnot, but like are we talking like every day you were around these weapons and either
1: Usually working with day, them, no. transporting? No, okay. Not every day. Um without going into too big specifics. They have things called maintenance cycles, and during those maintenance cycles, is when you're going to see a lot more weapons than when you know other things happen. Um, so during those times is when you know you you're going to be spending a little bit more time actually inside the 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 secured rooms and all that kind of stuff. Uh, as a lower ranked airman, however, um, if you haven't had you know your training crew, you haven't gotten your training yet, or um. Just they need extra bodies. You're going to be holding a gun, right? Okay. And that's essentially what I did for the first year or two when I was at on base. And uh, you know, for one of those instances, we'll go on to that later, I'm sure. Um, but I've I've held a lot of M16s, just looking at the sky, looking at the grass. You know, <laughs> uh, I've the the area that I worked at was right next to the, the flight line. So I've been able to see B-2s take off. I've been able to see F-17 or F-17s. F1 oh, wow. Pretty much everything in the inventory that the Air Force has, short of like really big planes and just really specialized planes, then I've I've probably seen it, you know.
0: So I, you ha- you are well aware of the most advanced aircraft yeah. Um, probably out there today yeah. uh, being launched from your base, right? Okay. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> um, was this was this the only base you were stationed at? Um, yeah. in Your time in the Air Force. Okay. Was the only.
1: Well, I mean, basic training was Lackland Air Force Base. Okay. Um, and then for the EOD training was technically Lackland as well, but it was like an uh an annex uh, called Medina. Um, and after that, when I got to the nuke school, was in, um, uh, Wichita Falls. And then after that is in, I got stationed at Whiteman.
0: Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Now, in terms of um, dealing with these weapons, I know, like you said, a lot of the time it was guarding um, and whatnot, but like, did you have to learn the ins and outs of every nuclear uh, weapon on the base or how did that work? Just in case I would imagine.
1: Um, you, typically, m- I'm not going to say typically because like I said I only have experience from my first base. My base, we only had a handful of nuclear assets that we were required to like know in and out, right? And as you go from base to base, they kind of refresh you on different things like if you were at a bomber base and you go to a missileer base, they're going to they're going to have to teach you how to do missiles all over again, despite okay. the fact that you've already they for for your tech school what they do is like give you a very not even a basic education they kind of show you what this is and what that is and different things to look for and when you get to your base they have what you call TOs and essentially if if it's not on the TO you don't do it right you're you're trained monkeys if if okay. monkeys could read they could do nuclear weapon <laughs> stuff <laughs> <laughs> hey man, but... <laughs> there's a lot
0: of jobs like that. There's nothing wrong with
1: that. <laughs> but uh yeah, I mean um shit, I forgot where I was up at where I was at. <laughs> oh no
0: no no. So yeah, so like um you, you would physically deal with these nukes at time and you also had to know how yes. they how they function. Okay. Yes. Cool, cool. Yes. Wow. I can't even imagine like the <laughs> the the like I used to be like an actor and stuff and now Mm -hmm. I'm like a writer and I'm just imagining like the pressure and the stress that you guys must be under, Um, you know, maybe on a daily basis. I don't know. You tell me, but like, I can't imagine like having those sorts of things at your fingertips. I've spoken to launch officers who have seen some of the stuff we're going to talk about tonight as well over their installations and knowing that like, this could be it. Like either. Mm -hmm. Either we gotta push it, or they've been dismantled somehow. Um, mm-hmm. Can't even imagine on a typical day working there, let alone when there's UFO uh, sightings over <laughs> an
1: installation. Man, it's, oh. it's actually fairly boring on a typical day. <laughs> so <laughs> it's this is fairly boring. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. There's a lot of downtime. Well, not not even downtime, but there's a lot of maintenance. There's a right. lot of maintenance to be done. Aside from the weapons, our our actual like support systems we have to maintain as well like our our launch loader adapters, our PLAs, our, you know, different trailers, all the the different kinds of things, forklifts. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we also have a support section. I'll go into about that later as well, where they also issue toolboxes and chemicals and gloves and, you know, anything that can support the nuclear operation, right? Right. Interesting.
0: Okay. Yeah. And you know, we have a few others in here who have held similar positions and everything you're saying, man, is checking out. I do want to let everyone (laughs) in the chat know we have vetted Adrian. He's legit. He is who he says he is, because that is the first question on a lot of people's minds when military people come forward. Um, So no, I appreciate you doing that.
1: DD-214 right here.
0: (laughs) Boom. Hey. If you want to throw it up there, man, be my guest, but I trust you. Um, I, I worked with Christopher Sharp to, um, to do that as awesome. well. So no, um, we appreciate that. So I guess before we get to what I know everyone wants to hear about the <laughs> incidents, um, we'll get there, guys. We'll get there. Um, how'd you get hooked up with Chris? Like, how did this all come about where you finally came forward and talked about this stuff? Did someone reach out to you or there no, had to be a, really. a time where you told somebody and it kind of, trickled out like how did that all happen if i might ask
1: so probably around the beginning of the year i started listening to uh that ufo podcast awesome with with andy you know Mm -hmm. and uh so you know as as i was listening throughout the year i finally was like you know what they're starting to talk about like shadow people so maybe i can what essentially what i did was like i i commented on somebody else's topic on in twitter and I was like, hey, I'm I'm a nuclear weapons tech and hey, I've seen stuff too. And that's pretty much when Chris found me and he was like, Hey, come talk to me. <laughs> yeah. Dude, if I had seen that, dude, I would have been
0: all over it. But no, I'm happy I I um I saw Chris's article. Like literally, I think within maybe a minute or so of him posting it, yeah. <laughs> I already was trying to track you down. So, okay, that's pretty cool. Um, well, let's get into it if you don't mind um and i'm gonna get to some of the chat here after we hear about your your experiences um sure but andy's gonna be questions in there already (laughs) absolutely and i've got a bunch here for you too Andy's gonna his ego is gonna go up (laughs) after he hears you're the reason he um that you came forward but um yes mcgrillin is the best i agree christopher plain for sure um So let's get into it. 2003 to 2006 is when you were stationed right at Whiteman. Is that correct? Yes. yes. Okay.
1: Well, so I, I originally got into the air force in 2003 and it wasn't until like 2000, probably like, I want to say the beginning of 2004, like January, because it just, it had taken me about a year to get through training, you know? Right. And that's. I was in the Air Force from 2003 to 2007, but I wasn't at Whiteman until 2004.
0: <laughs> for a nuclear technician, I would hope you'd get a good, a good enough time of training. For yeah. <laughs> sure.
1: That makes perfect sense to me.
0: Um, well, okay. So could you paint us a picture maybe of the first um, experience you had? What were you doing that night? Was it night? Um, what were your duties? And then, yeah, what happened? If you don't mind... Sure. Um, uh, are you okay if I go full screen too, Adrian? No, have at it. Okay, awesome. All um, right, man. Have at it. Thank you.
1: <laughs> so I'm not, I can't really, I don't really want to go into detail on w- what time the movement was because I'm sure. sure they still use that kind of time period, right? But okay. I will just say it was dark enough for me to see that there were stars and stuff in the sky, okay? Um, And essentially was, what I was doing is um, we were, probably right in the middle of a a maintenance cycle, you know, and uh, they needed a gun guard. And as you are transporting a weapon or you have a structure that has weapons in it, you got to have a gun guard posted for, you know, security as well as a gun guard posted wherever the weapon is going to be going to. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, on top of this, there's 24 seven security by security forces. So, there's it's it's just kind of redundant thing uh final denial act um and so as this transport team has radioed to me that they're they've they're now transporting the weapon i see that there's kind of like a uh an orb for lack of better definition or you know mm-hmm. it was just kind of bobbing there above the the tree line and i thought yeah okay you know maybe that's a star, you know, I've, I've seen stars. They kind of do that sometimes, you know, and, you know, the weapon is still being transported down and I'm still kind of looking around surveilling It's my job, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, And as the weapon kind of, or the transport team kind of pulls up with the weapon, I, this, uh orb kind of shoots up real quick above the tree line and it kind of bobs there for a little bit. And, you know, the transport team is, moving forward and backing the weapon into the facility. Uh, and then once they had secured the weapon inside the building, this orb just kind of zoop and gone.
0: Hmm. How um about how big would you say? I uh, like, I mean, in terms of like distance and how high up was it? I know it's probably hard to gauge, but
1: um is, any um,
0: any further detail on that?
1: If for my guesstimation like right off site at base there's a bunch of like pig farms and uh, just different kind of farms and fields and that kind of stuff And um, mm-hmm. it, it, if I had to guess I would say it was right above those okay. kind of maybe maybe a mile or two away you know kind of this way and then up I, I couldn't tell you how far up it was um, and if a size I man I don't I don't know it was it was yeah. a light Essentially, yeah. it was, it was just a light to me. Um, it was just.
0: But this, uh, this 90 degree sort of, you know,
1: acceleration, the, yeah. I guess,
0: or movement um, mm-hmm. that had to have stuck out to you as
1: something. Oh, yeah. And it, <laughs> yeah. And it was kind of like, okay, well, that was weird, but it didn't seem threatening at the time. And my, my job at that time is just to determine what, what's a threat. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm literally there with a gun to make sure that nothing is coming in to grab our weapons. And if it's gone or something has disappeared, yeah, it's cool. I just, I think I just saw a UFO, but whatever, you know, I got shit to do inside now.
0: That makes sense, man. I mean, a lot of people, even in the civilian world, when they see a UFO, like everyone's like, why didn't you like, like, why wasn't your camera out? Or why didn't you like phone the police anything? Why didn't you do anything? Because a lot of people aren't prepared for those situations, and you also had a task at hand. I get it. On top it, of I get that,
1: um, camera phones were kind of barely coming out back then, right? And oh, 03, if,
0: oh, 04, yeah. Mm-hmm,
1: and and if you did have a camera on your phone, you were pretty much obligated to either break it or cover it up, paint it over. You're not allowed mm-hmm. to have cameras inside a uh, top-secret Weapon that... storage area. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense, yeah.
0: Which, you know, that's interesting to me because, you know, we hear about these, like, these Snoopy teams in the Navy that are on, like, the submarines and whatnot. And it's, like, their mm-hmm. job to record things. And all mm-hmm. these videos that were leaked were, like, from cell phones. They weren't, mm-hmm. like, the official cameras. So I that always makes me wonder, like,
1: are they going to get in
0: trouble for stuff like that? Like, I do That's don't know. not
1: saying everybody didn't break their phone or... <laughs> paint over their camera but that was what was required you know by gotcha. mandate <laughs> so
0: um what if I can ask I I know you said um you don't want to say what night and time but uh what could you tell us maybe what year that was Adrian if you do re- recall
1: I believe that was actually in 2005
0: five okay yeah. now was that the initial experience you had yes that was the first okay. one that I've, I came across
1: yeah Right.
0: And then you had one more UFO sighting, if mm-hmm. I'm correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Um, w- would you want to share that one next or it's totally up to you? Man?
1: Sure. Um, okay. In in that specific in- instance, um, this is the, the third instance. Um, we'll talk okay. about the middle one here in a minute, I'm sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the third one, it wasn't really anything like that. It was essentially an orb kind of just hanging out over, I wouldn't even say over the flight line. It was just kind of, a little bit over the base and then it just kind of faded and it was gone, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was essentially when I was again, holding gun uh, we had uh, an exclusion area for contractors to come in and that way they didn't have to have uh, classified clearances in order to work in the, the storage area. And we essentially created like a, what they called a free zone mm-hmm. and you know, my job is to watch them and everything else going around. And that's just something I saw kind of an, an orb kind of blinking blinking. And then it was just gone. And for all I know, I, I wouldn't even particularly say that was a UAP. It, it feels maybe even a little different. It was very similar to mm-hmm. in, in color and size and, you know, pretty much everything exact, but I, I couldn't tell you if that was a UAP or not, man, I, Oh, I understand that, yeah,
0: no, I mean, and again, like even as a quote unquote u f o investigator or a trained observer like yourself looking for threats, I mean, your job is to explain what it is, mm-hmm. not to say that's a spaceship from Zeta Reticuli. so right. like no, I totally get it, I totally get it, um, so before we get to, I know the experience a lot of people <laughs> are talking about on u f o Twitter right now, um, which is crazy, um. <coughs> No, you. these were not reported. Um, was there anyone else around you who happened to see these things or did anyone talk about it or were these singular experiences for you?
1: Uh, they were pretty much singular experiences for me, man. Like the transport team was busy stowing the weapon. Um, mm-hmm. I'm the only one out there with a gun, holding a gun outside the facility. Now, I, I can't say for, for sure and nobody else saw it, but... I was the only one that was around me that that was able to see it.
0: Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Again, like you guys are, you're a little busy doing other stuff. I get it. I get it. Um, Okay. So let's just, let's dive in. This is the experience I think that caught a lot of people's (laughs) attention. You know, we've heard of UFOs over the bases, um, but shadow figures, not something us in the UFO world deal with um, on a daily basis, not, things we really deal with in this field at all it's usually pushed to the corners of the paranormal right uh the supernatural what have you but uh, this happened to you at least you you believe it happened to you so i would love um if you don't mind man um as long as short as you want going into detail i know there's stuff you probably can't share exactly where you were and whatnot but um yeah sure. tell us this story if you don't mind
1: um so i want to i want to preface this by saying I had originally not said anything about this particular instance because in my experience or my, um, in my, any information that I've gotten, you know, I've, I've watched ghost hunters for years, you know, Mm -hmm. to me, shadow people were mostly associated with like ghosts, right? Right. The paranormal stuff like that. And when I started seeing that, um, the shadow people were more being reported towards UAP, especially that Nellis incident, that really kind of like, oh man, you know, if they were seeing something like that, then maybe what I saw here could have been the same thing. Right. And in kind of, as you're doing this critical thinking kind of thing, you know, you think all the observances that I've seen from this, everybody else's experiences with shadow people on the ghost side as well, it feels kinda like it's one in the same thing. Hmm. Just about. Mm-hmm. It feels like one and the same thing. Um I could be wrong. You know, I'm not I'm not an expert. You know? None of no. us are. <laughs> but uh so yeah, that's that's all I wanted to say by prefacing that. Um cool. So this instance was I think in two thousand six. Um It was in probably the fall. No, it was the spring. It was the spring because that's when we usually get new recruits. Um, uh, We were out of a maintenance cycle, so there wasn't any maintenance being done. And typically, whenever we're not doing any maintenance, we're training crews. The more people we got, the easier it is for everybody else, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So we have a training crew in the back. Um and as a training crew has a training bomb open, it's still considered technically classified. And in doing so we have to lock up the building. You know, we pin it from the inside. We have pins on the, the top and the bottom of the doors. And then um if the building hasn't been um opened or that door hasn't been opened in, you know, a day or two, it probably still has this tamper proof seal. And oh okay. That's that's a big thing in a lot of places is those tamper-proof seals is there's no getting past that, man. <laughs> you know, you can't, you right. can't fake that. Right. Right. Um, so, you know, the, the, the training crews in the back, um, I'm in the weapons support area because I had, I had just transitioned from uh, doing the, the nuclear operations side to doing weapons support side. I was essentially issuing toolboxes, uh, chemicals, uh, helping issue any anything they needed for their training you know and as they were locked away I was you know on the computer doing my own thing you know uh, we had I think an armory or something that that we were looking at buying at the time um, and as I'm sitting there on the computer just kind of clicking I think what I hear is like uh, like water dropping or maybe footsteps barefoot steps and which is a possibility we have, you know, uh, an wash station and we have those, uh, the emergency showers. And, you know, so I, I turn around and I look up and I'm trying to see, you know, is, this, is there anything there is I, I think I hear somebody walking or footsteps or is it water or because if it's water, I gotta, I gotta clean that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I did, I didn't see anything and I'm looking at the the shower and it wasn't leaking. So, all right, well, <laughs> I'm just fucking hearing things, you know, <laughs> and I go back to doing whatever I was doing and, uh, you know, maybe a minute or two passes and I start hearing those sounds again, you know, this time a little bit louder, kind of barefoot on painted cement sound. If you know what that sounds like, mm. uh, kind of like at a swimming pool, you know, Okay, kind of like that, um, that wet barefoot sound on, on, on concrete. Yeah. 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 And this time it's it's pretty distinct and i just whirl around and i stand up and i look past the service counter and all i can see is say is um just this blob (laughs) not 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 blob but like the shape of a, a person
0: do you like stories of the strange the weird and the unexplained then we want you to check out jim harold's campfire The concept is pretty simple. Jim talks to regular people about strange stuff that happens to them. And yes, that includes UFOs, along with cryptids, ghosts, and head scratchers. He doesn't exaggerate or play a lot of spooky music, kinda like I'm doing right now. The stories speak for themselves. Ones like a ghost story involving serial killer Ted Bundy, or the young man, who encountered an eight-legged demon. Then there's the story of an alien abduction by what could be considered a reptilian. Now, not all the stories are horrifying. Some are actually pretty heartwarming, like a visit from a past loved one or a peaceful near-death experience. Regardless, these are true and fascinating stories told by ordinary people who've had extraordinary experiences tune in to jim harold's campfire on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you listen to somewhere in the skies and remember stay spooky J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: I was trying to describe it to my wife, and she's like, so like, kind of like, a gingerbread man, but like fuzzy, right? And that's kind of essentially that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, kind of. It was a little bit narrower than a, your classic gingerbread man. You know, kind of a, a shape of a real person. You know, um, about they were asking me uh, last night. I was on a podcast about how tall, and you know, I'm I'm five foot four, man. So, <laughs> I anybody, know your pain, <laughs> and, and everybody is taller than me. <laughs> Same, <laughs> so you know, I guesstimating this thing to be about six foot tall. Um, it was again, I want to say very blurry, um, and very opaque, like towards the center, very opaque. And again, another way for me to uh describe the color is if you've known or if you've seen that, uh. That dye that pretty much absorbs all light. Have you seen that? Oh, they the, just came like, out with it. it.
0: Midnight black, like kind of like doesn't that. reflect any. Okay, kind of yes. absorbs light. Yeah, yes, okay, yes. And Interesting. That's
1: essentially, like what it looked like it or the color of it, right? And as I get up and I I'm starting to make my my motions towards chasing this thing down, and it just zips down the 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 wall and turns the corner into the admin section and I'm just fucking booking it, you know? And as I turn the corner, I don't, I don't see anything. I don't hear anything, you know, and it's now my obligation to go around and look for this thing, you know? And as I'm going through, I don't, I don't see anything like underneath chairs or tables. You know, we, we only have a snack bar in that section, some offices, um, you know, uh, a conference room. There's not really a lot of places for this thing to hide in, you know, and in order for it to have left the actual building was the only way was through the front door. And I've, as I've described it before um, it's an airlock system style door, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you essentially go through one set of doors, right. You go into like an antechamber and then from the antechamber, somebody lets you actually into the building and then you go through the secondary set of doors. Uh, not an airlock, as in removing air, just kind of that barrier system, you know. And in order to for hit anything to have left the building, it needed to leave that, which is pretty noisy. You're going to know whenever somebody's leaving the building. Mm-hmm. You know, you can almost hear it in the back of the bay, you know.
0: Yeah. were and were you armed at this time, Adrian?
1: No. Okay. No. All
0: right, I was uh, just curious.
1: <laughs> yeah, you don't arm unless there's an actual asset in the building or there's an asset in transport. Gotcha.
0: Okay. So how did this end for you? I mean, I I can't even imagine what was going through your head, first of all. But like, did you... I I know, again, the stigma of reporting paranormal Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. UFO sort of things in the military is one thing. But like, Mm -hmm. what were you thinking did you did you think this was like an intruder or that the world was ending or you were getting haunted like i i, I guess yeah what was going through your head at
1: that i time? didn't know what the hell i had seen man like as far as i knew it was it was a ghost you know like okay and and even if i had thought it was some kind of incursion or infiltration of some sort I don't have any physical evidence on me that there was somebody here. You know, there's no sensors being tripped. There's no video evidence. There's, there's nothing. There's essentially me saying, Hey, I think I saw something running down the hallway, you know, mm-hmm. and they're going like, Oh yeah, sure. You did. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we're going to need to call the ben- mental facility people. <laughs> you know? Because when, when you have top secret clearance, man, and you have PRP at the same time, it's a very stigmatized thing that you cannot, lose your top secret clearance or your PRP because you are going to lose your job, right? They're going to find a way to, for you to get out, right? They will find a way for you to leave the military. And I've, I've seen people raise questions of, oh, well, PRP is really not a reason to remain silent. Well, sure. It's not, but I, I really don't like being called crazy either. You know, I don't, well, <laughs> yeah man and
0: I mean in your defense as well like how many pilots haven't reported things how many um you know people that, on the ground know, who've had these experiences that, didn't
1: yeah on top of that I'm 20 years old at the time yeah. I'm just a kid man <laughs> you know maybe yeah. 19 you know I I I don't I don't actually really, really remember what age I was at the time but man it was I I was young you know young yeah. and yeah, exactly. As as I see, Mister Crowley down there just say mm-hmm. they they find a way for you to leave. There we they'll go. Start they'll start a paperwork trail.
0: Well, that and I'm sure there are psych evals after you report something like this. We hear pilots are grounded and never fly again. I get it, man. Mm-hmm. And luckily. Mm-hmm hopefully things are changing in certain branches of the military. I do want to get your thoughts on that a little later on the air force versus others. But, um, so, you know, you didn't find any presence of this, this shadow figure. And then that's it. Was that your last experience you had while at Whiteman?
1: That was my last experience at Whiteman. Well, technically it was my second experience. My last Mm -hmm. one was, was that orb that just blinked and disappeared. And that, that was my last experience i mean shortly thereafter i i uh, separated anyway so
0: okay yeah. okay um before we um get to some of the bigger questions do you think any of these events were connected in any way like is there some sort of string theory between what you saw in the sky and the shadow i know that's a total theorizing went, question but it, yeah what do you think
1: man i couldn't I couldn't say that they were corroborated with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, they were just, maybe if I had seen one within a week of each other or, or of, of each other of the the shadow person and an orb or whatever, but these were very separate instances over a spread amount of time. And right, I, I probably should have, but I didn't actually go outside to see if there was an orb in the sky the night that I saw a shadow person. And again, I didn't even know that it was, uap related you know or ufo at that time related <laughs> and so had I, you
0: um had you had any interest in ufos or paranormal oh, or yeah. anything before you went in yeah oh
1: yeah i mean i've always been interested in it my whole life my grandfather was kind of instilled that in me he was always he was the one that originally was interested in this and you know um when i was a kid my parents actually took me to we were driving through and we saw the marfa lights and that was pretty interesting really yeah that was i highly recommend that to anybody go go look at the marfa lights
0: that's in uh texas right yes is that is that where you're originally from if, if you don't mind sure
1: No. no. Um, i am well yeah i'm from texas i'm i'm from el paso texas
0: yeah okay cool cool mm-hmm. um yeah marfa lights that's mm-hmm. that's a phenomenon that deserves a lot more attention man um well okay i mean there's so many different avenues we could take i mean the first is the fact that like if this was some sort of intelligence or sentient thing that was in there with you, that is disturbing. I mean it is. the implication to something like that is just and then you think so many other people in your position have had similar experiences on bases or in other areas as well. Um what do you think about the whole potential threat of something like that? Again, I know you didn't report it and that's like right. going to piss off so many people, but again, we understand why you wouldn't do that. But like the and, you know, potential threat of something like that just uh, ugh, gives me chills. Just knowing, you know, and
1: I have to agree with them. You know, I, I probably should have reported it, but there wasn't, there wasn't any system for me to report this for or you know there was no did you see this then report it here did you see that then report it here you know if, if you've seen shadow people report it to this guy you know that's that was never a thing man you know um yep. yeah uh <laughs>
0: that's such a good point um well okay so i guess where i want to take it next man if you don't mind um yeah. nuclear bases and ufos in general i mean hundreds of these incidents have been reported probably hundreds have not been so we don't know the true number but do you personally think there is a connection between uap whatever that phenomena represents and an interest in our nuclear assets here on the planet what are your personal thoughts on that
1: okay um so going back to your question before about the threat um, yes.
0: Sorry. I'm getting ahead you're, of our
1: You're discussion. good. I'm going to kind of <laughs> wrap this all up into cool. one. The orbs themselves did not seem like threats to me because otherwise I would have, that's even more of a thing that I think I would have reported the orbs, mm-hmm. you know, but again, they were not, they're just lights in the sky at that point. You know, they're not things on the ground with a weapon pointed at me. So I, they're not a threat. And then, so on top of that, the shadow person, I didn't even know what it was. So how can I tell if that's a threat or not? If it's a ghost, how is that a threat? You know? <laughs> Good point, if it's, yeah. If it's a ghost, how is that a threat? If it's... We're not in the ring you know, here, guys. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And I didn't know that this was... A, like, I, 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 I want to just hammer on that, man. I did not know that this was associated with UAP... A phenomenon i for all i knew it was a ghost you know i mm-hmm. i had thought that whiteman was built on top of an indian burial ground for all i knew you know <laughs>
0: <laughs> who knows i know that mm-hmm. you know well that's a that's a a good point actually i mean we we always think of military bases and ufos but like imagine the history of things that have happened during mm-hmm the you know these bases being in service and not in service and what was there before it of course is going to be paranormal activity as well so Mm -hmm. yeah dude i mean the possibilities are endless but yeah sorry i don't want to interrupt your thought there
1: you're good man (laughs) and then so to shift it over to the association with uaps and nuclear bases right yeah somebody did mention that there's a lot of sightings that are outside of nuclear bases. There's like 95% of sightings outside of nuclear bases. And those are, a lot of those are probably very credible witnesses as well. And the reason I think that nuclear bases are being looked at more hard is because they're nuclear bases. You know, once we have these UAP associated with them and they're, they seem kind of interested in them, they might be interested in, maybe stopping us from doing something. Maybe they're, because if you, if you look back at history, the last two nuclear weapons that were used were in World War II, right? Mm-hmm. And we haven't used them since then. And once we entered into that, a treaty with Russia, we stopped testing them and we haven't used nuclear weapons, even tested a nuclear weapon in 50 odd years, you know? And so they might, try to be preventing that you know Mm -hmm. they could be trying to gain information about them maybe they don't actually use nuclear energy maybe they use something else right um maybe they have their own treaties that are preventing them from letting us use more nuclear weapons right for all we know UAPs could be a myriad of other things out there. Like try not to take me for my word or not, not my word, but like don't read too far into this, but let's say they're aliens, right? (laughs) If they're aliens, who's to say it's one species of aliens, right? right? It could be multiple species of aliens that have had maybe a treaty with each other, right? To allow us to develop and, Maybe not kill ourselves until we can reach a certain amount of stage where they can actually contact us again, right? <laughs> and that's that's what I hope for. <laughs> yeah, man. But we'll see. <laughs> I,
0: I I hope if there are various races or intelligence out there that they want to send us a message a message of don't use these but like you said like there could be one that wants to turn them on one that wants to turn them off one that wants to see what we do with them and one that wants to literally uh pro not proactively but actively engage with these weapons somehow Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. possibilities are endless man and i think it's those questions those theories um that tell us a lot about ourselves you know no matter what Mm -hmm if they want to turn them on or off, it's the fact that a lot of unexplained phenomena is happening over these bases. So Mm -hmm. we should pay attention to that and wonder why that's happening um, on either end of the spectrum, in my opinion. But um, yeah, um, I've got one more question for you, Adrian, before I move to listener questions, if that's cool.
1: Yeah.
0: Awesome, man. Um, So the air force elephant in the room, haven't been the most transparent or honest about UFOs. They were essentially the branch of the military, um, that, uh, quote unquote, covered up the phenomena mm-hmm. from the very beginning. If you consider Roswell or Kenneth Arnold or all that stuff in the forties that happened, they were right. kind of the first to stamp it down and project blue book, project grudge, project sign, all these air force, uh, funded in some ways. And also, um, run organizations to kind of downplay the phenomena and explain it away um which you know yeah they should try to do that um but Hmm. they don't have the best track record when it comes to transparency and honesty (laughs) um nor are they today i mean we're living in a world now where we're getting a pentagon ufo unit and the most silent on all of this seems to have been the Air Force. So I want, I'd love to get your thoughts as former USAF on, on that. Why do you think that is? Um, what role do you think the Air Force, uh, played then and plays now in this whole, I guess, UFO
1: issue? So we'll go back to like Roswell, okay. right? The Air Force was originally the one that kind of took, well, it was actually I think the Army Air Force at that time, but the Air Force right. <laughs> was the, the initial people there that kind of ran that operation. They kind of, and ever since then, they've been in the foreground of this, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that they they probably have information. I'm not, I don't know, you know. i I have no access to this. I have no idea. But this is just my guesstimation, you know but they have to have something, you know, they've collected something in Roswell. They collected different other places that other different crashes, you know? Um, So they, there's gotta be some documentation there, whether it's UAP or weather balloon related. I don't know why they haven't released this documentation.
0: Yeah. So Um, 70 years later, you have to wonder, you know, right.
1: Um, And so, you know, throughout history, the Air Force has been kind of seen as this this uh organization that is at forefront of UAP, right? Oh, they got Project Blue Book, oh they got this and they got that, and they're looking at UFOs and they're really not. They're just kind of making it go away.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think now they're being kind of stonewally mm-hmm. because they were, they used to be at the forefront, and now they're kind of. I think they might be just holding back and waiting to see what's going on. What happens? Right? Hmm. right. And then from there, and I'm I'm talking about the Air Force as an organization. It's it's really difficult to characterize the organization and not talk about the people. You know, right? Because there's a lot of people in the in the Air Force. I'm sure that want this to come out as well you know, I'm probably pretty sure actually.
0: (laughs) Yeah, man. I mean, Uh, we do, we do look at these things, you know, the military branches or even the government as this like capital G or like mm -hmm. this, um, Mm -hmm. you know, monotheistic thing. When in reality Mm -hmm. it is, it's comprised of thousands of people with their own Mm -hmm. individual beliefs and principles. I totally get that. Um, yeah, Um, yeah. That's a good point.
1: Really. It's, uh, Disclosure is only held back by maybe a handful of people, maybe two handfuls of people. That's it. Yeah. You know, people high up. Um, so it's, it's, I don't want to demonize the air force in that, that regard, because they're, they're acting within our country's best interest, but I don't think that the people at the top are acting within our best interest. If that makes sense.
0: Absolutely, man. I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. And I mean, uh, the word disclosure, um, I'll touch on that briefly with you. We are living in crazy times. Never in my lifetime did I think we would see the government getting so heavily involved in this topic again. I thought they were done with it. And a lot has Mm -hmm. happened, you know, Mm -hmm. since that New York Times article came out, since the Navy tic tac UFOs and Mm -hmm. the things going on on the East Coast, blah, 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 blah. Um, The conversation is just exploded and it's Mm -hmm. more mainstream i think than ever before so um do you think what's going on now with this pentagon unit that's being formed we're gonna get like uh, i think annual reports to the public Mm -hmm. about uap a lot of it's going to be classified obviously but um is this do you think a good thing for those who really want the answers to all of this or is like you said is this just another way for them to kind of control the narrative and or is this all just an intelligence game? We have to keep in mind Russia, China, and right. um, and that whole aspect of all of this too. They say it's not them, but I don't personally believe that some of it is probably foreign technology. But yeah, that was a big, broad stroke of a question. But yeah, what do you think about everything going on today with the Pentagon? And is this disclosure, or is this just another way to hide it all?
1: I think it feels legitimate enough that it will be disclosure are, in my opinion, the biggest issue, like I said, the Air Force, people. It's not mm-hmm. the organization. It's not the office. It's the people in the office. So if the person there doesn't want to do anything or is counter UAP, it's it's going to be not productive, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's who. Wh- that's what we have to be very careful about, who we put in those offices or in those positions, you know? And I'm not saying we have to throw in the most crazy UFO guy, you know, uh, <laughs> we'll go throw Andy in the office, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, if they're hiring dude, I'm there too, man. I, I think I'm a little, a little objective sometimes. Right, I think right.
0: Hopefully that's what they want, but yeah,
1: sorry. Point, I mean, yeah. why not? Just if, if they're looking for people to throw in that office, I'd like to throw my hat in there too, you know? Right. But again, we just have to be very careful on who we select and make sure they're not the Mick Wests and make sure they're not the, the Stephen Greer's, you know, I knew you were going (laughs) to say
0: that name. So
1: I don't mean to harp on Stephen (laughs) Greer because he, at the very beginning was very crucial in getting this. Absolutely. This conversation started. And I will not take that away from him. Yeah. We are very, we owe a lot to him, you know, and, Maybe, for all we know, he's still telling the truth, and we're just being a bunch of idiots. you know I'm not trying to disprove the guy
0: I've said that you in know? the past too, man. What if these people are right? What if these people who have claimed they've flown to Venus or been channeling aliens or whatever Stephen Greer's talking about, the right. latest sort of stuff? what if they are right
1: i i because I can't
0: say they're not.
1: If if we're seeing shadow people, who's to say what he's seeing isn't real either? Right. You know? I mean, it's until we have the truth, anything is on the table pretty much.
0: Yeah. Very good point um well i know a lot of people in the chat are dying to ask some questions i do have some questions here guys so if you do want uh we'll try to get to some of the questions in the chat here guys um if you want to help the show the super chat is open that'll get you bumped to the top but i do have some already here for you man so um i can just start firing off right now if you want if you're good with that yeah Cool, cool. Um, So um, Ben Prime Esquire on Twitter asks, when pursuing the shadow intruder, uh, was its movements and gait like a human or was there anything about its movement that seemed strange or like super unusual or um, abnormal? Yeah.
1: Anything like that? Well, it didn't float. Um, Okay. It didn't fly. It was... I mean, it was... It's taller than me, so it's if it's gonna be running, it's gonna be a little bit faster than I am um so I did see its legs moving as it was running, so it was i I would assume still kind of gravity was had some kind of effect on it, you know um I would assume i'm who knows you know, yeah. <laughs> but if it's if it's literally running and I can hear barefoots. To me, that says that gravity still affects it a little bit, you know?
0: In, yeah, interesting. Good point. Yeah, and I really respect that you're willing to say I don't know on any of this because, yeah, I mean, who who's to really say? So, no, that's that's a good sign. Um, so Aspiring Inside on Twitter asks, did you experience any hitchhiker effects like reported at Skinwalker Ranch? I mean, did any of this sort of phenomena follow you home, man, after you left the Air Force or
1: not that i can tell i mean i've i've had bad luck my entire life so <laughs> <laughs> i can't tell if it's bad luck or just hitchhiker effect but yeah from everything that i've experienced man i i haven't had that thing following me like that
0: no sort of um after effects or other experiences that you can think of
1: no good no. <laughs> that's probably that a good thing remember. yeah Yeah,
0: cool. Um, Let's see. Uh, Becky on Twitter asks, did you discuss your encounters with any friends or colleagues at the base? um, And did any of them have similar experiences? Anyone else on base ever share anything weird with you while you were there?
1: uh, Usually whenever you come across something weird, it's it's under the guise of like, man, I thought I saw a ghost yesterday. Or, hey, uh, it's ghost related because that, is a lot easier for people to kind of digest than aliens, I guess, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. But so a lot of those conversations were under that guise of, oh, well, I thought I heard a ghost yesterday and, or, oh, I, I uh, you know, just, I felt cold or just ghost related mm-hmm. phenomenon. And it was, okay, cool. All right. Whatever, man. And there were a lot of things that – this sounds really weird. I'm just going to stick it in the vault and let it sit there, you know? (laughs) Totally.
0: I get it. I get it. This is a good one right here. Christopher Plain says, who was the first person you told after, uh, I guess, any of these experiences?
1: Uh, The first person I told was actually – I don't even think I told my wife. I don't even think I told my wife i've because so she found out yesterday with the rest of us (laughs) right (laughs) um so this thing has been kind of in my vault i call it my vault because it's it's the place that i stick things and i don't want to think about them and they're gone for it's fair you know um i pretty much got that from the show adventure time you know where finn kind of just sticks things (laughs) in the back of his head and they disappear um (laughs) <laughs> Life lessons from adventure time. I love
0: right. it. You're a man after my heart. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I kind of, it's been sitting back there and I never really it gave it a second thought until maybe a couple months ago. And the first person I told was maybe Chris. Maybe wow. Chris, I think, was the first person I had actually told.
0: Mm-hmm that's awesome man and again i do want to um uh commend chris on getting this out and commend you for Trusting him with this. It was a wonderful article. I did link it at the top, guys. But if not, go over to Liberation Times. And it's probably still the featured article over there um, to check it out um, about everything we're talking about tonight. Um, my 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 dad, actually, is in the chat here, man. He never chimes in. <laughs> but he was really interested to hear your stories tonight. So he asks, what did your wife say when you did tell her about this?
1: Um, she was like, well, she... My wife is very supportive of me and, you know, we, we've been kind of, or I, I have been kind of open about the UAP topic for, you know, for a while now. And as I'm telling her this, she goes, Oh, that's, that's weird, man. You know, that's, that's interesting. You should tell somebody that, (laughs) you know, and just talk about it and kind of get out what you got to say about it, you know? And yeah, she's been supportive and I can't, falter for that you know <laughs> yeah
0: man that's all you can ask for i have a very supportive significant other too who deals with these ufo things that are mm-hmm. basically my second significant other so i totally get yep. it i, totally get it. <laughs> yep. I spend um, a lot of time listening <laughs> yep. yes they do yes they do and they are very supportive um michael huntington who's also in the chat right now he asked over on twitter too what was the culture at the base like in regards to the subject? We kind of talked about that, but he also mentions that um, the 509th bomb group was connected to Roswell and also with your base as well. Did anyone talk about Roswell at the base? Any um, stories ever go through there that you heard? No,
1: no. Which I also, I, it's something I brought up to Chris Sharp as well. I found it really fascinating. When if, once I got to Whiteman, I found out that it was a 509th bomb wing and I was like, That sounds familiar. Why does the 509th (laughs) sound familiar? And, you know, through my research doing UFO stuff, Roswell's obviously the hallmark. You know, that's the first thing you stop at. And, hey, the 509th bomb wing. Oh, that's where I know them from, (laughs) you know? and If I had known that, I would have taken more pictures while I was
0: stationed there. Yeah, dude, I get it. Um, What's your favorite case? That's a personal question of mine. Do you have a favorite UFO case?
1: I I don't really have a favorite case. I've I kind of listen to everything and I take everything as a whole, man. Like everything cool. from ancient aliens all the way to quantum theory, you know?
0: <laughs> nice run the gamut. I love it. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is and this is coming from a guy who's now on ancient aliens after nice. talking bad about the show for almost <laughs> god, 10 years now. They they finally roped me in. So I'm nice. I'm with you. I'm kind of, you know, Everything's on the table until it's not. So I'm open to a lot more than I used to be. To be completely mm-hmm. honest, I become skeptical in some ways and more open to others. So it's, that's
1: it's welcome to ufology. It's a good thing to have a healthy skepticism, yep. because otherwise you're not not going to be able to rule out the, the the fantastical. You know, the stuff that's just so out there that it doesn't make sense. You know.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Thank you to Jordan for the super sticker. Yeah, guys, if you want to um, ask Adrian a question before we start wrapping things up here, he's been very gracious with his time. Um, throw him in the super chat. I will try to get to him. Um, but I'm going to go right to the next one here, Adrian. Um, JB on Twitter asks, did you have any unusual dreams in the days uh, leading up to or after any of these events? Do you think dreams play any role in, in this sort of stuff?
1: Not at Dreams are a different thing for me because I don't typically remember my dreams or have mm-hmm. dreams. I don't, I don't remember my dreams, or I, like I said, I don't, I don't have them. So, me either. Interesting. I, I couldn't tell you if I had weird dreams or not. I, I just, I don't remember them. So, yeah,
0: yeah, okay, that's totally fair. Yeah, because a lot of people do often relate the two especially Mm. when it comes to like abductions and alien abductions sleep paralysis dreams Mm -hmm. hypnagogic Mm -hmm. dreams so that's a fair question but the fact that you don't remember your dreams that says it right there my man um and the day you do it probably means something so yeah
1: every once in a while I'll, i'll remember like a dream or two or like snippets out of a dream but that's about it
0: yeah Yeah, same. It's kind of little tiny fragments like, Mm -hmm. yeah, one little film piece of a whole roll or something. Mm -hmm. I get it. Um, Cool. Uh, Chirps Golden on Twitter asks, were there any odors present during the encounter with the shadow person? And what were your sleeping habits like following the the days after? I mean, could you sleep after this event, (laughs) dude? I can imagine it was pretty uh, weird and I don't know. Traumatic, dramatic. I don't know. Um, Yeah.
1: Well, I'm an insomniac, so I okay. I don't sleep very much to begin with. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'd probably say I, I I slept about the same, if maybe a little less, maybe a little less. It didn't really bother me because, like I said, I kind of just put it out of sight, out of mind, and it just disappeared for me. I didn't, I compartmentalized it essentially, you know,
0: right? Put it in the vault. I get it. Mm -hmm. I totally Mm -hmm. get it. Um, Cool. Well, I've got one more Twitter question here for you. Um, If you guys want to put a question in, do it now. Um, We're going to be wrapping things up here. But uh, Fake Jalal on Twitter asks, what is your perception of uh, reality after having these experiences? And have you had any um, significant changes in your life or lifestyle after these encounters? They're getting
1: deep. (laughs) I wouldn't say I've any had any like significant changes in my life or lifestyle. Um, maybe I would say I, I look up a lot more often. You know, I I critically think more often, or not more often, but I'm I've taken a lot more critical thinking. I tend to rule out more stuff than I I don't. You know, um, and I just healthy skepticism is is really what kind of came out of this all for me you know kind of well i've seen this and i've seen this and i've seen this and you know i have this to go off of and i now i've seen this and this doesn't make any sense to me so i'm just going to throw it out mm. or or i got to figure out how to fit it in this square peg in this round hole somehow you know
0: <laughs> right interesting yeah i you know and i'm a person of um the human uh aftermath of these sort of things man like how does it affect your belief system your relationships um how does it change you as a person so i mean i i think mm. it's good that like in some ways you're like okay this has opened up certain aspects right. of what what this all could mm-hmm. be but i also have to be very careful and not to go too far out you know that whole right. cliche you know your brains will fall out if you're too open-minded sort of things so. right yeah it's good to keep it kind of grounded that's our slogan here keep your feet on the ground but don't stop searching you know so i totally get that i totally get that um let's see if we have anything in the chat here before we wrap up uh christopher plain says does adrian find himself building mashed potato mountains
1: (laughs) can't say that i have not
0: not happening no close encounters of the third kind no
1: can't say that i have
0: i wish (laughs) that would be
1: amazing please take me i'm ready to go (laughs) take them to uh what is
0: it superstition mountain is that yeah 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 yeah. fair enough i mean (laughs) you know any
1: uaps out there man if if y'all uaps are listening i'm ready to go (laughs) i got my (laughs) backpack
0: he's ready he's ready for another experience um I guess kind of my last question for you, Adrian, um, why'd you come forward? What really compelled you? I know you said you, you know, you listen to Andy's show and whatnot, but Mm -hmm. was there any like really deep conviction as to why you wanted to share these, why you were willing to come out and say this? Because look, no matter how mainstream UFOs become or whatever, or the paranormal, There are going to be people who scoff at it or think, oh, he imagined this or he was he was definitely high that night at work or, you know, that that's always going to be there. But Mm -hmm. what really compelled you, I guess, deep down to to share these stories with us?
1: Essentially, man, like there's no reporting mechanism for anybody. Right. And they want more transparency in the UAP topic. Right. Mm -hmm. Especially with this new office that has come to light. And you know, all these people that have had previous experiences, there's not been anything for them to come out, or a, a way for them to come out, or maybe even feel comfortable to come out and say anything. And it it's through me doing this that I I'm hoping that I make a wide enough uh, a wide enough uh, path for them to kind of follow through, or just people who to talk to, or you know, just different. A, a way for them to, to get out what they have to say, you know? Yeah. And ultimately, man, it's, it's about the people there's, I'm sure people that have had experiences similar to mine that don't feel comfortable coming out and saying this or don't feel comfortable, you know, just telling other people what they've saw seen, you mm-hmm. know? Um. And again, like, top secret clearance and prp it's it's a big thing and if they're going to end up losing their prp or top, top secret clearance over this why why say anything so maybe they really need to just start allowing them to say something you know um i'm i'm all for uap transparency i, I what was it um, amnesty uap amnesty is mm. is something that i would like to Hashtag, you know, I've I've seen it before. <laughs> Hashtag UAP at MSC, and because people they need, we need the truth. Honestly, is is essentially what I'm trying to get at. Is I would just like the truth, and mm-hmm. I think we deserve it at this point.
0: Awesome. Do you think we'll ever get there? At least in, we were born in
1: the same year, so in our lifetime, mm-hmm. in do our you think lifetime. we'll get there? <laughs> I'm I'm hoping so. I mean, things have certainly picked up pace within the last. Even the last year, you know yeah it's it's been a breakneck speed, so i'm 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 pretty confident within the next five to ten years probably we'll see something
0: I love that I love the optimism for sure <laughs> man um well, I mean obviously thank you for your service to our country um but thank yeah. you also for being willing to talk about this because I do think you're going to compel others and empower others to come forward, not just military, but, um, in the civilian world as well. I can't tell you after, you know, I, I came out with my book in 2020 where I interviewed the chief radar operator of the Tic Tac event and this affected him so greatly and keeping it down, hidden in that vault, like you said, for so long, uh, it almost ruined his life. So when he saw you know, Commander Fravor on television talking about it.
1: Mm-hmm. It was
0: like twenty years, just like off his shoulders, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. I can't tell you after that chapter and my book came out, after all these reports came out and everything, how many military people came to people like me and Andy and and journalists and and mm-hmm. and everyone in between and said, finally, like I can talk about this without right. you know There's the stigma a and risk for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean. It's people like you who are willing to to do that, that um, we really appreciate in the UFO world because you do lend a certain credibility and legitimacy, um, maybe more than a civilian. I don't really like having that debate of trained observers (laughs) and, you know, the barista at the coffee shop. But um, the more people who come forward and talk about this, the more we can normalize it for everyone. So, um, yeah, first and foremost, I want to thank you for that.
1: Yeah, no, no problem. Uh, if
0: we have anything left in the chat here before we say goodnight to you, man. Um, everyone's just loving it. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> we didn't piss anyone off or anything like that. Um, I don't see how that could happen, man. You've been so open with us. Are you willing to share uh, where we can reach you? I, we got your Twitter handle sure, yeah. here, but um, if anyone wants to reach out to you, is this the best place?
1: Yeah, Twitter is probably the best place to reach out to me with UAP stuff because that's where I spend most of my time doing UAP Steph, (laughs) nice awesome
0: um awesome michael says thank you guys christopher says thank you for sharing uh this was fascinating dude i really appreciate you taking the time to do it um i know you're going to be on the unidentified celebrity review next week (laughs) with luis jimenez um i (coughs) can't wait to tune into that hopefully this was you know kind of the introduction um for what's going to be unraveled over there next week so once again man I'll say goodnight to you before I um do my little talk shop thing here debrief. Um so thank you. Thank you for for coming forward. Thank you for working with Chris and um yeah, have a great night. Thanks man. Awesome. Take care, Adrian. You too. Awesome guys. That was so much fun. Um I I can't believe within the span of like 48 hours I met Adrian here um digitally and he just uh he seems like a really cool guy very genuine in his experiences and and what happened to him. And again, like that's what we need in this field. There's more people to talk about it, make it normal. And um, the floodgates just open wide. There will be too many people who've had experiences to deny these phenomena exist. And we're baby steps. We're making it. You know, the US government says UFOs exist. They are real. They are a legitimate phenomenon. That's huge. Now the question is, what are they? Where do they come from? What do they want? And there's probably a million questions to ask after that as well. Warlock, thank you so much for the super chat. I appreciate it. Thank you to everyone in the chat tonight um, for asking questions for your donations. I really appreciate it. Adrian's in the chat as well. Um, it was a pleasure. If I didn't get your questions, feel free to post them to me on Twitter. That's awesome, guys. Reach out to him there. And... um I will, once again, I will share his Twitter handle in the show notes. And um, other than that, uh, be on the lookout for a new episode of Ancient Aliens premiering on Friday. Um, I think I'm in that one. I'm not positive. Um, But, yeah, Friday's at 9 on the History Channel. Share the show with your friends. It would be much appreciated. And... um, rate and review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts apple spotify um i think spotify has a place where you can rate and review now so that's pretty cool that really helps out the show more than you guys think it you know it boosts us up up into the um the featured things over there so i really appreciate that and of course as always keep your feet on the ground but never stop searching somewhere in the skies take care guys Somewhere in the Skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network.